hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 73 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. I got a great one for you guys today. I just actually wrapped up recording, so now I got to record the intro for it, but I interviewed none other than Anthony Collins, who's, uh, like I said, I've talked about him on the podcast before with uh, John and Jay out in Iowa, and he's definitely a contender for a top ECHL heavyweight this year. And it was a lot of fun. We kind of went through his career, how he kind of got into fighting and guys he's fought and, uh, you know, what the future holds for him because he's still playing in the ECHL today. So it was a lot of fun recording with Anthony. But before we get into the interview, I, of course, got to say that the Five for Fighting podcast is a proud member of Six Pack Media Coverage. Six Pack Media Coverage not only covers sports, but many other aspects in life, such as food, fitness, travel, health. Anything under the sun, six-pack coverage probably has a show or an article for you, so I encourage you to go check out sixpackcoverage.com. That is where this episode will be posted is sixpackcoverage.com and as well as their YouTube channel. So I encourage you to go check that out. They cover many different sports, uh, uh, basketball, it's like an Ohio accent there. It's going to combine baseball and basketball, Uh, baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, football, colleges, uh, universities, anything under the sun, they got something for you. So I encourage you to go check out Six Pack Coverage. And of course, the usual suspects in the Enforcer podcast world, and that is Fourth Line Voice. Darren over at Fourth Line Voice covers uh, many other tough guys, uh, just like kind of kind of like I do myself. Uh, you know, any league kind of goes with him. Uh, he actually just had on Chase Tippin. And Curtis Swanson, who Swanee's a guest of both of our shows in the past, and uh, he's kind of talking over about the Ice Wars tournament that's coming up, the upcoming Ice Wars tournament that is going to be held out in Edmonton, of course, that's kind of like a return to form of the Black and Blue Battle of the Hockey Enforcers competition, so I'm curious to see how it goes. I was going to try to make it out there, but with us moving and everything, just getting to North Carolina, it's definitely not in the budget, so I will be watching from the comfort of my sofa, probably with an ice-cold bush light, so... Uh, that would be me and my buddy will be getting after it. I got a buddy coming down. He's bringing his girlfriend. I'm sure just what the women want to do on a Saturday night is sit there and watch a hockey fight tournament, but nonetheless, we will make it happen. But I encourage you to check out Darren with the fourth line voice, not only his 
podcast, which is a great back catalog. Uh, you know, Joey Tedaranko, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Dan Kopeck, Mike McWilliam, Luke Karate, the list goes on. Uh, he's got a great back catalog, so I encourage you to go back and check his podcast out, but also go check out his YouTube channel, uh, much like mine, except mine is only ECHL. He does have some uh, ECHL stuff up, but he uploads fights from all different leagues, whether it's the AHL, NHL, IHL, UHL, LNHCHL. Uh, you know, like I said, like he always says, Mickey Mouse, everything with M-O-U-S-E, right? So anything uh, fight-related in a league, he's probably covered it or, you know, he's got um, got video of something, something of your fa- that you'll fancy over on his YouTube channel. So I encourage you to go check that out. And, of course, Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, of course. Joe is the Islander uh, focused enforcer podcast and he actually just did a season in review episode and uh, you know much like myself and Darren he's been uh, been 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 hard to find guests lately so he actually did a season in review episode covering the entire Islander season uh, hopefully he's got some irons in the fire I know I had just interviewed Anthony Collins but that's kind of the first dude I've gotten in a while I got another dude who uh, is willing to come on the podcast I got to get with him it's been a uh, been crazy trying to schedule everything with uh, after moving figuring out with work my co-workers out with COVID so now it's just me covering everything and we just got the puppy of course and if you didn't see the post actually named him Gates and of course that is after the legendary tough guy Link Gates so uh, and he's already an asshole so that kind of uh the, the name the name fits the bill there because he uh, does not like the crate he chews and does everything under the sun that normal puppies do so been a lot of fun um, but no back on track with Joe so uh, check out Joe's podcast he's got tremendous back catalogs uh, got like a 17 part saga with Trevor Gillies Aaron Asham Jason Strudwick uh, the list goes on with Joe um, you know you could go check out his podcast it's it's great stuff you'll 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 really enjoy it so um anyways guys i'm not going to keep you for too long here i encourage you to uh rate and review the show if you could please rate the show whether you're on itunes spotify google play whatever whatever the case is if there's a rating system involved please do me a favor and rate and review the podcast it'll help the podcast grow and get out there get more known uh you know so these guys who i interview can kind of get more in the limelight and um Hopefully we get more we reach a broader audience because who doesn't like hearing about Anthony Collins fights or Chris Nile and Rob Ray? Uh, you know, you go to my back catalog. I got plenty of tough guys on there as well. So um, let's help help get the interviews out there and get these stories out there for the folks. Um, so please rate and review the show. If you want to check out the podcast on social media, just search five for fighting podcast on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, you just search five for fighting podcast. It'll come right up. So I encourage you to do that. If you would like to check out the podcast, YouTube channel, uh, just search five for fighting podcast. Or, I mean, if you look up any, probably any ECHL fight from this year, um, I've uploaded it unless it was uh, the only ones I don't upload is if a guy like throws a punch real quick and then they just kind of fall down. It just, you know, nobody, you know, I, I get it. Uh, some, not all the fights are barn burners, but like ones like that, I'm like, okay, well that was, you know, we're not going to upload that, but if you want to check out the ECHL fights of this year, I encourage you to check out the YouTube channel. I've posted pretty I'd say probably 98% of the fights, like I said, besides the off, you know, two guys grapple and fall down. Uh, those I don't post, but um, I encourage you to check out the YouTube channel. I just hit 800 subscribers. We're trying to get to 1,000. We can monetize it, make a little extra cash on the side, and, uh, you know, help the podcast keep going. It'll just pay, like, the Skype and the uh, 
the Zoom video bill. So um, please go subscribe over to the podcast YouTube channel. But with that out of the way, we will go ahead and turn this over to Anthony Collins. So I encourage you to go back and maybe follow along looking up some of his fights from this past season. We talk about a couple of them, but I know there's uh, Jay's old YouTube channel, uh, D-Skunk, where you can check out his stuff from his Quad City days. So uh, I encourage you to check out some Anthony Collins fights on YouTube. He's a bad dude. He laid some beatings on guys. So thanks again, Anthony, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It was an awesome time chatting with you about hockey fights in your career. Um, so without further ado, folks, you came here for Anthony Collins, not myself. So here is Anthony Collins. Hope you enjoy, everybody. This should be good. This should be very good. All right. Here tonight on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a dude who I was fortunate enough to see play in South Florida a little bit when the uh, Admirals would come to visit the Everblades. And if you listened to last week's episode, you would know that me and my buddy have this dude in contention for possibly the heavyweight champ of the league of the ECHL. And that is one Mr. Anthony Collins. Anthony, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time on this beautiful Monday evening to uh, talk some hockey, talk some fights, and uh, some ECHL hockey. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to kind of going through your career and seeing what the future holds for Anthony Collins here. Love hearing that. Yeah, no, uh, like I said, I'm excited to come on. Uh, I've been listening uh, from a couple podcasts that you had before and just uh, love uh, seeing all the recaps of all the fights over the weekends and stuff like that that you're putting on YouTube. So you're doing a hell of a job. Oh, I pre. Oh, you know what? I have gone over this so many times. I'm really surprised that the league hasn't taken my shit down because, from what I understand, like a couple years before, anything ECHL fight related on YouTube got taken down. So I've just been waiting for everything to just get canned. <laughs> well, well, hopefully they're not hearing this, and uh, we can keep doing it because, like I said, you're do- you're doing a hell of a job, and it makes uh, scouting uh, for guys, potential opponents uh, in upcoming games, a lot easier uh, than scrolling through uh, Instat and stuff like that. So uh, keep going. Look at that. You're in my notes over here. I was going to ask if you're a video guy down the line, but we'll get to it, man. Um, so, well, you you actually you started out playing in the BC League, but before we kind of get to that, when did you start playing hockey? Were you kind of a typical Canadian kid? You were born on ice, basically, or did you did you kind of start playing a little bit later? Yeah, pretty pretty boring story for me. Just like most Canadian kids uh, started playing when I was three or four years old, or I should say I started skating at three and four years old. Around five and six, kind of got into the the just hockey uh, aspect of it. Um, just try to learn how to skate first, and then uh, really just fell in love with it and uh, took off from there. Going uh, through Langley Minor Hockey, uh, really good program there, and working my way up. Right on, man. So, well, you, you know, you started you started off in the BC League in 06, 07. Um, when did the fighting kind of start? Because it looked like uh, it was probably like around 09 once you were in the MJHL. Uh, your your pims kind of like peaked up a little bit there. You broke the 100 pim mark. So when did the fighting kind of start for you, man? Yeah, I remember. Believe it or not, it's crazy. I I mean, growing up, I thought I was a goal scorer, and I actually did half decent doing that. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, I had a, an old school coach uh, in the year in Prince George, and and he told me one game, he's like, hey, if you want to earn the respect of some of the veteran uh, older guys, twenty year olds on our team, I think that uh, it would be really key and and really important uh, for this season if you just showed them that you had their back and fight, win, lose or draw, you just got to show up. And I was like, okay. And one game, he, he he pulled me aside before the game, and he said, hey, he's like, so I'm going to start you so you can give you a chance to fight uh, right off the hop. And if you do that, um, you know, I'm going to play a lot for the rest of the game because I think it will show a lot for those guys. So I remember being going back from his office and just shitting my pants, being like, oh, man, <laughs> like, don't really know what I'm doing here, like, but I got to do it kind of thing. And 
I can't even remember now who I lined up against. If I lined up against the biggest guy on the, their other team, and I didn't even say you want to go, nothing. I was so nervous that I just shoved him and he shoved me back. And next thing you know, gloves were flying, fists were flying. And next thing you know, I was going to the box. And I was all right, that wasn't so bad. Like, that wasn't so bad. I did, did all right. Like, held my own kind of thing. And uh, after that, I kind of went on a little bit of a tear and just kind of realized that it wasn't really a big deal. Nothing to be scared about to do that. Yeah, so was it kind of like sporadic when you fought? Because obviously, you know, the, from from my time with interviewing guys in your role and the enforcers and everything like that, uh, you know, I find that their first kind of few fights, it's just like, you know, you're trying to find your legs. So it's almost like you're just flailing your arms everywhere. And, you know, it, it's kind of sporadic. Or did you, I mean, well, you said you were shitting your pants. So I'm assuming you really didn't have a game plan. It was probably just don't get punched in the face right too much, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think any game plan or anything that I may have slight had going into that fight, I think as soon as the adrenaline and the nerves kicked in, I think it was just a free for all. I think it was just throw as many punches as you can. And like you said, try not to get hit and hit him more than you got hit. So, uh, you know, it ended up being a pretty good one for me. Um, and, and it really built my confidence to be honest with you, to be, to know that, you know, Hey, like I got hit a couple of times, like I hit him a couple of times. It really wasn't a big deal. And Really, the biggest thing was how much respect I, I got from my teammates, my coaches, other players on their team. And I think that's kind of like what really got me into the role and really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so you're kind of doing this stuff in junior and you're, you're going through your playing for, uh, you know, Victoria, Burnaby, stuff like that. Did you was there any talks of you getting drafted at all? I know, obviously, you haven't been drafted to the NHL or anything like that. But did you ever was there ever any talks or anything like that for you uh, getting drafted at all? No, I was kind of kind of a late bloomer with hockey and stuff like that. So, you know, I was just fortunate enough to be playing in the in the BCHL. And like I said, I was really in the BCHL just trying to find what am I as a player? You know, like I said, growing up, everyone focused so much on like skill building and trying to score goals and everyone wanted to be the goal scorer on a team. And so going through junior, I was kind of trying to figure out like, what am I here? You know, am I can I score? Can I fight? Can I, you know, be physical? What am I here? So I was kind of like a little bit like Bambi's trying to find my legs uh, through junior. And like you said, near the end, end of my junior career in the MJ and stuff like that, I kind of like found my niche of what I was good at. Right. Absolutely. Um, so your first year pro, you actually end up in the SPHL with the Mississippi surge. How did you end up there? It's actually funny because uh, after uh, it's a long, long, long story, but I love to tell the boys on the bus this story, kind of how I got into pro hockey. But from age 20 to 22, 23, after junior, I didn't play. So I didn't go to college, you know, anything like that. Um, and so I was kind of, you know, I was working and I just kind of living a, a normal life, you know, and I just felt like something was missing. Like, you know, I just, I want to get back into it, but how do I get back into it? I mean, I don't got an agent. I don't got anything. I don't have crazy numbers in junior that people are just calling me off the hook. Like took a couple of years off. How do I get back into it? So I literally emailed every pro team, probably minor pro team out there just saying like, Hey, here's my elite prospects. Like, give me a chance, give me a chance. And of course, like, I said, I didn't have a crazy good junior career. So a lot of no's, 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 no's. And uh, I actually went down uh, on a tryout to the Knoxville Ice Bears that same year at the start of the year. And it was actually during the NHL lockout that year. And so it was actually kind of a cool experience. So I went down to camp there and they had set up a game with the Huntsville Havoc, a big rival of theirs at Bridgestone Arena, Nashville. So they had, a, we actually played an exhibition game in the Predators Arena uh, with a ton of people there, you know, everything was bright lights, everything like that. So it was kind of cool for an SPHL exhibition game to be there. 
long story short, I got cut. Um, that year was crazy, obviously, with the NHL lockout, guys playing in the SB, guys playing in the coast that shouldn't normally have been there. So I went back home. I got cut, and I went back home, and I was like, man, like I, I feel like I can play. Like How do I do it? How do I do it? And I had a, a old skills coach uh, back home that I was just skating with to try to stay in shape and stuff like that. And he's like, hey, I got this connection. Let me call this guy down in Mississippi in the SBHL and let me see if I can get you on. And I ended up going down there and, and I knew it was kind of a last shot for me. So I knew I had to make the most of it. So I kind of just made the most of my uh, my chance down there. So when you get to camp and stuff with Mississippi, are you are you just trying to go with anybody and everybody? Yeah. So actually I didn't even get a go to camp in Mississippi because like I said, I went to camp in Knoxville and I actually went to Mississippi to play regular season in about December. Oh, okay. Um, so, so yeah, but to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way is yeah, it was just basically, I need to make the most out of my opportunities. And I remember my first SBHL game, first SBHL shift. I think I backed, I didn't even have a name bar. They didn't even have a name bar for me when I came <laughs> in. And, uh, I was like, told myself, I'm like, Hey, like you got to go out there. I was like, who's the toughest guy on the other team? Like I got to make a name for myself because you know, I've already been cut one time. I said, this is kind of my last shot. To, if I want to make pro a thing for me. And I went out there and uh, we were in Columbus, uh, the Columbus Cottonmouths. And I remember back checking and just two handing the biggest D man I saw in the back leg. And I said, let's go. And I actually think the videos on YouTube and you know, I, I did fairly well for myself. And then kind of just after that uh, stuck with it. Yeah, he ended up fighting a guy named Kyle Johnson is who he ended up fighting there. Um, yeah, for, yeah, for, for back Columbus. Some memories. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so at this point, you, you know, you, you actually you end up in the ECHL the following year with South Carolina. You know, how was it with your first year in the uh, the ECHL? I, I was very fortunate because you know, like I said, I only played at, you know really half a season in, in the SBHL coming in late and stuff like that. So, I mean, I didn't really know. I was honestly planning on just going back and playing another year in the SBHL. And in the summer, I, I got a call and it was uh, actually the Hershey bears. And, and they were kind of, they were like, Hey, like we want you to come to camp. And I thought it was a prank call. I literally, I was like, there's no way guy from the SBHL, how, what I just went through, you know, is going to get a chance. And, and he's like, Hey, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, we want you to sign with our affiliate in South Carolina and come to camp, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, I obviously go to South Carolina, and honestly, I was uh, blessed to have a coach that now is the assistant coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Spencer Carberry, as my coach. And, you know, he, as a player, uh, played a very similar hard-nosed style of hockey, so he really took me under his wing because I was a very raw player, a raw fighter, raw, and he, just a raw human, really. And uh, he really took me under his wing and, and, and kind of showed me what he expected of me, how to play the role. Uh, how to get myself involved and uh you know i don't think i would have as long as a pro career as i've had now uh without having him for my first couple of years right so at this point you know you're in the echl you're with south carolina and you kind of you're starting to embrace the role a bit more and you know you know this is kind of your niche you found your niche are you starting to do any like off ice training or uh like, like fight specific training at all by any chance yeah it was uh it was actually awesome uh after practice uh Carberry used to used to work with me all the time on stuff just all the time it's like grabs and holds and stuff like that and I was also like I, like you said I kind of got good at it and so I was like well I want to get better at it 
And, you know, I went to the guys that were older on the team that had been doing it for a long time. I was like, hey, like, can you show me some things? And, you know, even off the ice, like you were saying, you know, we would put on our practice jerseys and just have some of these older guys that had been in a lot of fights show me holds, grabs, like what I should do, what happens if he goes left, things like that. So, you know, I, I kind of just tried to become a student and soak uh, up as much as I could, like a sponge, and just uh, learn as much as I could. Right on. Well, it's it's interesting to me. And so you're actually only like the second current player I've ever had on the podcast. Everybody who I've had on beforehand has been uh, pretty much, you know, guys who have been retired for quite a while. I, well, I take that back. You're the third because I had Justin Schmidt on, but he just came out of retirement for Columbus um, after like years of not playing. Uh, but it's interesting to me to kind of see the stats because I'm sure, as as you know, and as many fans know who listen to the podcast, you know, fighting is kind of – it's really – on its way out of the game ish. I think it'll always be there, but in terms of like, you know, tough guys such as yourself or like the Travis Howes, the Kyle Newbers, guys like that. Um, they're just not being bred in junior anymore. Like if you go back, cause you played, you played in the BCHL circa 2008. So it was a completely different brand of hockey as to what you get in the BCHL today. Um, so at that point, was there ever anybody you kind of tried to like emulate yourself after coming up? Uh, like, like I don't know if you like look at Brian McGratton tapes and you like you you want to you know maybe try to do what McGratton does or I don't know, look at Bob Probert tapes. Any did you ever try to emulate yourself? Uh, as you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, growing up, I mean, I was a big Bob Probert fan growing up. <laughs> Who isn't, uh, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you don't like watching, if you didn't like watching Bob Probert play, I mean, you probably shouldn't be watching hockey. You should probably be watching figure skating or something like that. But I mean, I, I like Bob Probert. I don't know if I necessarily, you know, tried to mimic his fighting style, but definitely like got the juices going when you'd watch a, a Bob Probert scrap, you know, like that. But but nowadays, like you say, hockey has changed, you know, like you, you got to bring some, you know, bring something else. I mean, here's a perfect example is I've been watching, you know, the ECHL playoffs right now. I've watched, you know, the Florida and the Jacksonville series. And I mean, you got Travis Howe playing a regular shift, blocking shots, being physical, being disciplined. Like, you know, he's bringing something else to the table other than, you know, just that he's a super tough guy, you know. Um, and, and I think that's so valuable that, you know, he's just upping his stock, in, in my opinion, you know, that he, he's being relied upon to, to play a regular shift and doing well at it. So I think that ups the stock for guys like that and so you know nowadays i think my favorite player now with this role is a ryan reeves i think that he's the most effective toughest fourth line guy out there i mean he'll absolutely fucking steamroll you and also always answer the bell um i think he's just an absolute nuclear weapon out there yeah no first i'm a huge reeves guy too I, i absolutely love ryan reeves um and yeah, you're you're totally right. You know, it's like you, you can't, and I I don't like using the term one dimensional because I think to be a, a fighter on ice and in the enforcer role in itself is the hardest role in sports. But the way it's gone now, especially with the ECHL and the AHL, you know, with the ten fight rule, uh, you can't be just fighting every night. You have to you have to bring something else to the table as well. Which I get it. I still don't like the ten fight rule, regardless. Um, but you know, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Do you do you like the ten fight rule at all? I, I hate it. I hate it. I just <laughs> think that you know, I, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to you know, eliminate someone having that tenth forward, not be able to barely tie his skates up, but he's absolute you know savage and just goes out there for one shift a game and fight. I mean, I I haven't in probably the last 
five years seen somebody like that, but I get that's what they're trying to do. But I also think they don't realize that when you add that 10 fights in, I mean, 10 fights can go quick. I mean, we saw some guys this year, you know, on the fight leaderboard, like boom, out of the gates, like five, six, right out of the gates. And now they're going, oh shit, like I got 60 games left and I only got five fights left. And I just don't like it for the reason that if I'm at nine fights, I know, you know, somebody hits my limate from behind. Now I got to not just naturally react. I got to think, Hey, you know, am I okay with paying the fine to the ECHL and taking the suspension or am I going to just fight the guy, you know, and, and then take that suspension or am I not going to fight the guy and let my teammate down? I just don't think players should have to think that much about something. So kind of ticky tack um, in that aspect. I think that it should, you know, if they want to have the, one-dimensional fighter gone i think you upped it to 15 18 fights i think it's a lot more reasonable right yeah i agree and i like i said if you're gonna have a limit in i've said it before i would think at least make it 20 because 10 in a 72 game season is just so little and like you said um man i think uh i think by the time December rolled around. I think it was Robido from I think it's Kansas City who already he already had ten fights. It's like well December's already over, so you're like you you can't fight anymore, and it gets to the point where you're kind of handcuffed. And um, and again, I get what the league is trying to do, and I've talked about it with other fans who kind of agree with the ten fight rule, which it's very slim actually, which is it's funny to hear that. Um, but it's the same thing. It's like so. Because you have nine fights, your team has to pay for it. And the aspect of liberties are now going to be taken against your team because we're going to like, oh, okay, well, we can go play fuck around because Collins is at nine fights tonight, you know? So I like it's it's almost kind of counterproductive in in my opinion. Um, and just from when I've talked to guy, of course, all the old school guys I've had on the podcast, they'd look at me like I was crazy to even talk about a 10 fight limit. But it's just it's just what we have <laughs> now. Um and it's like I even I I think I even saw it with like Kyle Newber this year when I got to see him down in Florida uh, playing was like you know there was a span where one it was hard for him to get any fighters because it's uh, which you fought him which was pretty cool I, I was actually watching that game in my living room when I got to uh, when I got to see you go him up there in Norfolk but um so it was like a stretch where he like he couldn't couldn't get anybody to fight for one but two it was like he you know he was almost like not. He didn't want to get it all in one go and, you know, talking with him before it was the same thing. It's like, I think 10 is just too little. I, you got it up to at least 15 or 20. Absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, you know, when you get the mixed reviews, like, oh, well, I like the 10 fight rule or whatever. I think that they forget that, first of all, it doesn't make sense because if we're going to be, if, if you go down the path of people that want to say like, well, it's an NHL affiliated league, they want it clean cut, like prospects for the NHL. Well, the NHL doesn't have a fight rule. Exactly. So, I mean, if we're following everything the NHL does, why are, why are we now doing, you know, putting in a 10 fight rule? And two, let's not forget that, you know, it's the ECHL. I mean, it's an entertainment business. I mean, that, that's what we're in, you know, for some of these small markets. I mean, people come out because they want to see tough, rugged hockey goals, you know, I always say, you know, people ask like, oh, who's the favorite player on every team? Well, the favorite player, fan favorite on every single team is the top goalie, the top scorer, and the tough guy on every single team. So, you know, I think that, you know, if the ECHL wants to expand the new teams and different markets and stuff like that, I mean, the revenue for teams to make, you're just lowering the revenue that can come in, you know, in the entertainment world when you're putting 10 fights rule and things like that. I just, I, I don't like it. I, I never will like it. 
Um, but you know, that's just kind of, kind of my piece on it. No, it's how it is, man. And I posted the, I was fortunate enough to get it submitted to me. Uh, I believe his name was Harry Roundtree who submitted me the video of when, uh, when Blatchman and how we're going at it at center ice, that fucking video, because of just, just the emotion and the, you know, the, the oh shit, shit could pop off here at center ice during warmups that got like two something million views, not on YouTube, but like throughout going on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, calculating up all the numbers. That thing probably has close to 4 million views. And so it's like, it draws people in. I don't understand why the ECHL itself wouldn't want that. And like you said, it's, I get it. It's a development league. We want to develop players, but if the NHL doesn't have a 10 fight rule, why would we put it in the ECHL? And like you said as well, people like the rough and tumble hockey. I had more fun at the ECHL games, uh, this la- this past year when I was down in Florida as a season ticket holder, I had more fun there than I, any NHL game I've been to in the past probably close to 10 years. Um, and it's like, you know, it doesn't, I don't mean to sound rude, but no, nobody goes to the ECHL saying, you know, I really want to see the next Ovechkin tonight, you know? Like, does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. Uh, it just, it's not there. And I mean, it, I just don't think it, it, it takes away from finding a next Ovechkin or a real high-end skill player because 90% of the time tough guys are fighting other tough guys. So it's not like freaking Nuber is going after freaking, you know, uh, a Martin on Jacksonville or something like a top player, like usually, you know, a Howe and Nuber and like they, they know, like everybody knows in the league, like who's who, like, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and like you said, like, you know, bad publicity is better than no publicity. So, you know, the more that the ECHL gets their name out there, the more the ECHL, you know, has clips of things is great because people are now, you know, Hey, the ECHL. Oh, did you see that? Did you hear about that? And, And I just think that, you know, in my opinion, it needs more, you know, rough and tumble hockey. No, absolutely. Um, one second. Um, Sorry, I hit something on Zoom here. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I totally agree. Um, and you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll, I'll go back to your career for a second. Sorry, I just, ha- I always got to ask certain questions. Then once I get going, I'm like, oh, I think I have more questions to ask. So, <laughs> uh, my apologies, man. But um, no, it's always good stuff. Uh, so you know, you actually ended up in Quad City, which Quad City was the the team that got me into hockey. I was actually born there. And they uh, they were the Mallards back in the day as well uh, from the Colonial League days and the UHL. So that was the team that actually got me into hockey. And because of a guy, a good buddy of mine I've had on the podcast, and he's uploaded, he's actually uploaded your Mallards fights from when you played out there, uh, Jay out in Iowa. He's the one who really kind of put, put you on my radar because this was my first year watching the ECHL. Um, just this past year and I'm like okay and so I'm going through with a couple buddies going through stuff of you know who to look for because obviously I'm a fight nerd and I'm looking through the stats and fights and everything like that and um, your name came up with my buddy John and then my buddy Jay was like you know hey go on my YouTube watch Anthony Collins fights I'm like this dude fucking rocks I'm I'm ready to roll when Collins comes to town and sure enough like you guys (laughs) you guys are there when you um uh, man, I think it was, it was opening weekend or no, I think it was the second week of the season. You guys had the road trip down in Florida and like the entire time I'm sitting there just watching you and Corson just fucking run a muckster and shit up. And it was great. Um, but you know, how was it playing out there in quad city? Honestly, I, we really enjoyed it. Like my family really enjoyed it. Uh, it, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a hockey town through and through. I mean, it's a blue collared town and, and honestly, 
uh, for the ECHL level. We got treated very, very well um, there. And uh, I played for a real old school coach there in Terry Ruskowski. So he loved his tough guys through and through. I mean, if that guy could have 25, a roster of 25 tough guys, he would have. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we, I look back at that team and, and that's probably one of the, the toughest teams I played on. I mean, there's a kid that I played with that, that year or maybe the second year there in quad city that to this day, I think is one of the toughest guys I have ever played with in my life or even seen in pro pro hockey that barely played two years, maybe three years. And then he out, he went named Paxton LaRue. And this guy was as tough as they come. And he ended up, you know, going and playing in the NLL uh, national lacrosse league and stuff like that. And then kind of just shut it down with, with sports in general. But he, you know, it was great playing, playing with him too. And just having like both of us out there and, you know, kind of just saying like, who do you want tonight? Like kind of to other teams and things like that. And uh, it's crazy. So people listening to this, if, if you want to, to look up a tough guy that kind of, kind of flew under the radar a little bit, Paxton LaRue. Absolutely. Um, and I've definitely heard, heard some LaRue stories from Jay. He was, was the two, when he, uh, we, we were talking, cause I think we did an, oh, we did a quad city Mallard's like tough guy special where we ranked like the top 10. And I want to say he was in the honorable mentions, but you were definitely, you actually, I think you broke like number eight or number nine on the list. And that's a, that's a pretty big feat considering quad city's rich history of tough guys that they've had. So, um, it definitely put you, put you on my radar for sure at the beginning of the season. Um, and, you know, a guy I got to ask you about, so you, you fought him when you were with South Carolina that year before you went to Quad City, but you actually fought uh, uh, Corey Bellamy. You fought him quite a few times, actually. What was it like fighting Corey? It was great. He was a gamer. He was a complete gamer, man. He, he wasn't the biggest guy, and, and he wasn't, you know, necessarily, I wouldn't say the toughest in the league, but he, every man, every time you ask a guy, he would show up, which I got a lot of respect for guys like that, man. And uh, it, it was fun. It, it was really fun. I think early in our careers, I wouldn't say we were both the most technical fighters or anything like that. So they were always super entertaining, a lot of punch of throwing and stuff like that. And there was a lot of respect between the two of us. So uh, it, it was good, you know. It, it, it was good that, you know, he – we both knew our roles and, and he was more than willing to oblige uh, all the time. Absolutely. Well, another dude I got to ask you about that you fought uh, just before you went to Quad City. I think it was a couple weeks before you went. But this dude, tough as shit. Uh, dude played in the Quebec League, like straight out of junior. And it was absolutely nuts to see him play in the LNH. And he actually, I think he finished up his career there. But uh, Ryan Hand of Elmira, how was it fighting Hand? Ryan Hand, I will remember that because I, I had only been to Elmira, I think, twice in my career career before that. And uh, we were playing and, and we had, we had kind of run away with a score a little bit. I think it was maybe 5-1 with like three or four minutes left in the game. And we had actually only had nine forwards with one of our guys hurt. So our coach was like, hey, like, Collie, like, I know, like, this, you want to fight this hand guy. He wants to fight you. But, like, if you're going to do it, like, wait till the end of the game so we're not super short. Like, if you could do that for me, that would be great. So I was like, okay. So hand kept asking me and asking me. I was like, hey, man, like, just wait till the end. Just wait till the end of the game. Like, I can't – my you know, my coach says, like, he wants me to play until – you know, there's you know, five or four minutes left in the game, and then I'll fight you. And he kept coming, egging and egging me on. And finally, with like, I think, you know, a handful of minutes left in the game, I obliged him. And it was a decent go. And he actually, uh, my ear got stuck in my, uh, my helmet, the side of my ear loop helmet, and it actually ripped the side of my ear off oh. uh, when I, when I did that. And, uh, so they super glued that back together, but uh, no, he was a big, 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 tough kid. And, uh, you know, uh, it was a good one for sure. 
Absolutely. Um, so you, you get to Rapid City, and actually the, this year uh, with Rapid City was the year you had, I think, the most fights in a season. You actually had 17, so you were, you were really getting after it a bit um, out there in uh, Rapid City. So you actually ended up fighting a dude. Uh, well, one sec here. Let me pull it up. Um, I just had it up. Sorry. Got to love computer difficulties. But, uh, oh, yeah, of course. How could I forget? So he's basically like a little Super Bowl running around out there. Uh, and he still plays. He actually played in the uh, the ECHL last year for Wheeling, but he leads the ECHL in all time penalty minutes. But Garrett Hunt, how was it fighting him? It was. Uh, I, I always say it was a it was a cardio fest. I mean, honestly, pound for pound, he's probably one of the one of the tougher guys out there. To be completely honest, I mean, he was just like you said, like a, a firecracker, a little firecracker. It was no defense throw for as long as you could. It would be you know, 45, 50 seconds of me going toe to toe. And, you know, obviously being the bigger guy. Cause like you said, he, he wasn't the, the biggest guy out there. So you were literally, it was like punching the punching bag. Like you could punch him for 45, 50 seconds, as hard as you can. And he would throw back the best he got. And he would never go down. I would give that guy, he would never go down and he would just stand and trade. And then after you know, a minute, when kind of things tired out, he just look at you, give you the nod. And his thing was, he was always the first one of the penalty box. So he would sprint to the penalty box as, as fast as he could, but really, really good dude. Uh, from the lower mainland where I grew up, like super good dude, super respectful, um, you know, and a guy that, you know, did has done his pro career the hard way. He really has. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Like the the penalty minutes he's put up, and like the the play style that he has, where he just goes out, hits anything that moves, and fights anybody and everybody, which is it's insane. I don't know how he's done it for so long, um, but yeah, I'm a huge Garrett Hunt fan, um, which I think he's actually playing overseas this year somewhere. He got he got a sussy for, oh man, I think he was he like only punched a dude a couple times, but of course over there their fights are or their fight rules are so so strict so he got like a, f- a couple games for it and it was at the, like, the very beginning of the season i was like yep that's garrett hump for you um oh but- yeah to a t to a t i i always say like m- most of our fights were i would tell my coach i'm like you know they'd start hunt the first shift and I, you know if i wasn't starting i'd be like all right like let me be ready because hunt would it was almost like a speed skater like he was fast as shit first of all and he would just literally dump – somebody would dump a puck in, and this guy was, like a like I said, a speed skater down the wall and would just meet somebody behind the net with a massive hit right off the hop. And I'd be like, all right, well, I got to go out there. Like, you know, we got we to gotta answer the bell here to this. But, yeah, man, he was, he was a gamer for sure, an absolute gamer. Absolutely. Well, that year you actually also fought a dude who played in the NHL for a little bit, but you fought Daryl Bootland, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because, uh, you know – Booter Booter is my coach now in Kalamazoo, his brother. So, um, yeah, man, Bootland, man, he was again another guy like old savvy vet when I, when I played, and I was kind of just like starting out, and and he was an absolute gamer too. Like he was always mixing it up, and honestly, I think his biggest attribute that he had is first of all he could play. First of all, I mean, he played in the National Hockey League. First of all, and second of all, this guy could was the best agitator ever like he would just poke you in the back of the legs no one was looking give you a face wash and then walk away and you're kind of wondering who it did it um but yeah i I, uh i remember the first time i fought him uh i was at we were in colorado and i mean that year i had so many fights because it was a wild wild west back then i mean i mean we had you know howie was out in utah and and colorado had like six guys that would would be more than willing to to go and entertain you and uh, obviously being in rapid city uh back then before colorado went to the american league that was our closest 
trip. So we played them like 14 times during the season. So it was always, you know, absolute wild slugfest. And, and their thing, their MO was, especially when they played at home was okay. If we're up by like four or five, like we're going to fight for the fans. And if we're down by four or five, we're fighting for the fans. So there was always scraps at at home. And, and uh, yeah, I remember, I I remember I'd fought Tegan Zahn and then I'd come out of the box and my coach threw me out there. I was like, all right, like finally going to get, you know, a shift here. And then Booter wanted to go. So, so we had a good go. I think I kind of got the better of him just being the bigger guy. Um, But again, nothing but respect for that guy because he, he was a, shithead on the ice <laughs> absolutely well you brought it up that you uh that was kind of you had how out there in utah and that actually was your first run-in with travis Howe that year uh how was it fighting travis Howe? it's uh it's honestly when when you fight Howe, you you, you really got to be technical because a he's big he throws hard and he knows what he's doing so you can't i find that guys that just want to trade with how you're going to lose 10 out of 10 times. I mean, it's just not smart to do. You need to try to be, you know, somewhat technical and have some kind of game plan going into it. So every time me and Howie would fight, you know, we're both really long guys. So we would use our reach, use our jabs, body shots. And they would, we would fight for, you know, like 30, 40 seconds. Like they were long, you know, he's got good cardio. So um, it was always, it was always good to fight, to fight him. And, uh, you know, obviously super tough kid and nothing but respect for, for that guy over the years and, you know, good dude. And uh, yeah, super, super tough guy. Yeah. Travis Howe was, it was fucking awesome to see him play, uh, play against Nuber and the Everblades. And I was just, that was my, my introduction to the ECHL was opening night, getting to see how and Nuber go at it. And it was just an absolute marathon. He got how waving off the linesman and it is just awesome. Those, those guys, their fights every time were just fucking marathons and it was such a treat to watch this year. So I'm a huge, I'm a huge Travis Howe guy for sure. Um, so the next year though, you, you end up in, uh, in Indy. And you actually fought a dude opening night. Uh, see, I don't know if it was opening night, but uh, you know, the first fight you had of the season was against a dude named Taylor Crunk, who's still playing today. Unfortunately, took a pretty wicked KO this year. But how was it fighting him? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually. Uh, it was our second game of the season, but our first game it was our home opener, our first one at home. So, uh, like you said, it was my first year in Indy. So, you know, I wanted to make a name for myself, kind of like set, set my presence off the bat and nothing better than playing Fort Wayne, who always plays, you know, tough and rowdy, especially back then. So I, I, I you know, I, I looked at the stat pack. I, I kind of knew who was who. And, you know, I actually had got it in, got in with it uh, kind of to uh, with a guy named Garrett Ross first. And uh, we were shoving each other in front of the net and Crunk wasn't even on the ice. And uh, I was asking him, like, do you want to go, blah, 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 blah. And he kind of like shrugged me off said no whatever and he was skating off to the bench and crunk was coming on this was during a whistle so crunk was coming on for his shift he was like collins if you want one stay out here stay out so i remember looking at my coach who i mean i've only known for two weeks at that time and i'm like hey i'm staying on the ice because i'm going crunk and he was like what and i'm like hey i'm staying on the ice he's like did this guy you know is he demanding ice time here like what's going on here and then he didn't fully realize like no i'm staying out like for one second as a puck drop because i'm gonna go somebody here so yeah, me and me and Crunk uh, took our buckets off there uh, at home in a sold out uh, Indy Farmers Coliseum, and and I knew he was a lefty, so I wanted to go in, you know, as a lefty as well, 
not naturally being a lefty and and let him throw two or three lefts to feel comfortable and then kind of rolled under and then we kind of had a trade fest there and i felt that i got the best of him there and kind of busted him up pretty good um but it was a good one definitely uh entertaining and uh action-packed for a home opener yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think we, you know, you alluded to it earlier in the podcast, but are you a big like footage guy? Like you like to go back and watch your fights and see what you could have done better, what you, what, you know, what you did well in that fight, stuff like that? Absolutely. I, I love, love being a student of the game in that aspect. I love to watch like who's who, what's what, like, what does this guy do? You know, what are his tendencies? What are his weaknesses? And then go back after you fight someone you know and have a fight and watch what you did okay like oh i missed my grab here off the hop or you know hey i think i you know could have come with more undercuts and uppercuts and you know things like that so honestly i think that i think you're an idiot if you don't do that honestly because i mean hey it's fighting right so i mean somebody can get knocked out so why why not study it to try to be the best at your role yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I know, uh, you know, talking with uh, with Nico a little bit at the beginning of the season, he was a big footage guy. So every every time Blashman would fight, he'd sit there and be like, oh, can you send me the video? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I got you. No worries. So shoot him over the video. And, uh, you know, he's the same way. He likes to study his fights and see what he could do better. Um, stuff like that. But the the following year, you actually ended up uh, in Atlanta. How was it, you know, in playing in Atlanta with the Gladiators? It was great. Uh, you know, over this course of from Rapid City uh, to uh, Atlanta, uh, I got to play. I have played with my best friend, Logan Nelson, who plays out in Rapid City right now. And so it's been just, you know, a blast playing with him for, you know, five years in a row being on the same team. So uh, I got an offer from them to come play. And I was like, hey, like, you guys should take a look at my buddy Nelson, too. So they signed him a couple of days later. And and playing out in Atlanta was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a really good group. And, uh, you know, at the start, we kind of, as a team, kind of were 500. And then right before COVID stopped the whole league, uh, we were on a 10-game winning streak. So we, we were rare and right up into the playoffs. And uh, it was a fun spot. I mean, you know, anywhere in the South Division, you really get lucky, you know, with the heat and, you know, kind of being able to golf and, and, and things like that away from the rink, too, is kind of relax. So it was a great, it was a great fun year. Yeah, for sure. And actually, well, a guy that you fought that year, and he uh, he's actually now on the Gladiators, but him and his brother got to be two of the toughest in hockey. But Dalton Thrower, how was that? Yeah, no, it was uh, – we were up a bunch. Uh, I've been battling with this – I'd been battling with this guy for years, and we hadn't fought when he's run Allen and just been battling all over the place kind of. And we were up by, by a bunch, and, and the game was, was over. But I think it was like a – it was a – like, you know, a Batman, Superman night or something like that, specialty jersey night or whatever. So I was like, oh, you know, I want to, want to fight one for the crowd here to, you know, kind of whatever. And we kind of battled all game long or whatever. And like I said, I, I played against him for so many years before that, like I knew he was a tough kid and stuff like that. So, you know, we had a go and it was a real good go. And, you know, he he ended up actually catching me in the, in the temple with a, with a great shot. And, um, you know, it was a great fight though. And, you know, of course, like after that, wanted to, to rile up the crowd and things like that, uh, uh, to get the crowd into it near the end of the game. And uh, honestly, it was uh, it was a great fight and uh, really got the crowd into it for sure. Yeah, and I've noticed it as well. You seem to, uh, like, like you have like the uh, almost like Ty Domi-esque, the post-fight celebrations and stuff. When did you kind of start doing that to really get the crowd into it? I think it was, I think it was my, 
first year in the ECHL. Like, I kind of just like, I don't know. I think it might've been like one of my first ECHL fights. I was just, the adrenaline was pumping, you know, and, and, you know, I was like, Oh fuck, that was great. That was awesome. And, you know, I'm throwing up my hands to the crowd and it kind of just stuck with me. Cause like I said, like at the end of the day, like it is the entertainment business, right? So that stuff sells tickets, that stuff brings people, you know, puts their butts in the seats and stuff like that. So it's just an, kind of an added touch that I've added, especially at home, you know, if you can get the crowd really riled up behind the boys, um, you know, it's just something that's kind of stuck with me throughout my career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm all yeah. for it, dude. I, I love seeing the post fight antics and stuff like that. I think it's great. You know, why, why not? Right. Um, so, well, this season, you actually ended up playing for not only Norfolk, but Kalamazoo, but we'll start off in Norfolk. Um, you know, well, how, how did you like your time in Norfolk? Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I mean, Virginia Beach is a, is a beautiful spot uh, away from the rank and stuff like that. Obviously, unfortunately, we, we, we weren't that good, um, which kind of down the line you know, with me being old, getting older and, and, you know, and kind of wanting to compete in the Kelly cup playoffs, I kind of wanted to go to a team that you had a shot at possibly making the playoffs. So that kind of, uh, in the end, why I asked for a trade from there, but you know, it was, it was good, um, from my time there. And, uh, obviously it was a South division. So had a lot of the big boys, you know, the house and Ubers, the people, people like that, um, you know, Blanchman's in the league that, you know, kind of made, made the South division, uh, fun and entertaining. Yeah, no kidding, man. It was it was a lot of fun watching the South Division. Um, but one fight I got to ask you about too, and man, you hit him with some some straight uppercuts. But Ian Parker, big kid, uh, trying to make a name for himself. I think he's like six nine. I think he's the biggest dude in the league. You know how was how, how was it fighting a guy who's that tall compared to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously it's a challenge, right? Just from their physical stature of them having long arms so a lot of times you find guys that are big like that even if they're good or bad fighter it doesn't really matter they're so big and so lanky that like whether they want to fight or not they can protect themselves half decent because of their reach and so i knew that i mean i think it was our third or fourth time playing orlando too so i kind of knew who he was i had been trying to fight him um at home actually to get a home fight and uh we were up by two or one or two. And, and so I was just going out for a regular shift and, and he looked at me and he was like, Hey, you want it? And I was just like, kind of like caught off guard. I was like, you know, like, you know, not, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, if that's, <laughs> you know, whatever kind of thing. And, and yeah, we squared off. And, and like I said, I knew he was really long. So I wanted to make sure I used my jab and, and try to duck and dodge his punches because he had the reach on me. And then it ended up working really well that, you know, I kind of jabbed, 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 and then timed it perfectly where I could go on offense. And I kind of had him hunched over a little bit. Now it brought it to a fair advantage of now he was kind of close to my height. And like you said, I, I kind of kind of got got the better of him with those uppercuts there and uh, busted up his nose pretty good. But hey, man, anyone that drops the gloves and is willing to answer the bell and, and try to rally for their team is I got the most uttermost respect for because obviously I've been doing it for 400 plus games now in the ECHL. And it's not easy. I mean, the, it's definitely not easy. It's, uh, you know, takes a toll on your body that's for sure your hands your shoulders things like that but anyone that's willing to sack up and you know put their put their body on the line for the team is i got nothing but respect for 
No, absolutely. And I've always said, you know, like the the win loss record. That's that shit's you know, it's for the fans or whatever. I like, I don't give a shit if a dude loses every fight. If he's willing to drop the gloves, man, I, I I'm down with it, dude. Um, so it's always you know, I never try to get wrapped up into oh, how many fights did he win, how many did he lose. Like, I I don't I don't give a shit if you're throwing down for you know five thousand people in the stands for your team. That's all that fucking matters. Um, but I got to ask you about him. Of course, he's, you know, my personal favorite in the ECHL getting to watch him, but you fought Nuber. I got to watch that fight on TV. How was it fighting Kyle Nuber? Yeah. I mean, again, is a guy that we kind of, it's funny because we had, we have battled against each other when I, from when I was in Atlanta to, to now, you know, and it, it just night and never went to head and um, they were up on us at home. I think they took it like three, one and, and I just got double shifted for a shift and, and I saw that they put Nuber on after they scored. And I told my coach, like, put me on, put me on. So I went out there and I was like, I, honestly, now looking back at it, I should have waited a shift or two to kind of catch my breath before I went out and asked them. Cause like I said, I had been double shifted before that, but I was like, Hey, who knows the next time I'm going to need ice with this guy. I know he'll oblige. I know he'll fight. Like I got to try to do something to get my team back into the game. And so, you know, I went out there, even though I was half winded and went out there like, Hey, you want noobs, you want one, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then, you know, we, we had our go or whatever, you know, now looking back at it, like you said, I kind of am a student of the game. So I've watched that fight 10,000 times in my head <laughs> and I wish I had a little bit, I wish I had a little bit more gas and, and not have been so tired going into it. But like you said, like, it, it doesn't matter, man, win, lose, draw. Like if you're showing up for your team, that's all that matters. Yeah, it was funny because I remember watching that game, and as soon as they went up three, the Everblades went up three nothing on y'all. I was like, I told my wife, I looked over at her, I was said, I said, watch it. I said, Collins is out, Nuber's out. I said, watch, watch this, watch this, and sure as shit, there you guys go. You're dropping the gloves and <laughs> sitting there getting all rowdy for it. And I'm texting my buddies like, fucking Collins and Nuber just went at it, you know, but just fucking nerding out to it. Um, but I'll ask you just about about two more fights, man, and I'll get you on your way. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, but what I got to ask you about, and this might have been one of the wickedest lefts I've seen landed in quite a while, but you fought Nick Isaacson from South Carolina. Uh, you know, how did that fight come about? Because you, uh, I believe you got the instigator on that call. So how how did that go down? Honestly, that was a super weird play as we were out and my line mate had run a guy on the wall and Isaacson had came over to want, he wanted to go my line mate and my line mate was kind of hesitant to go. him. And so I was like, Oh shit. Like, I mean, my line mates getting put in an awkward situation here. I don't know if he really wants to fight here. So I guess I will. So I stepped in for him and, and I've actually knew a little bit about Isaacson uh, before that game, because he uh, is friends with a guy that was on our team. And so he was like, yeah, you know, in junior in the OHL, like he was a tough kid, blah, blah, blah. blah. So I was like, all right, like, you know, my linemate doesn't want to fight. Like, I don't want us to look like bitches. Like, all right, like I'll fight. Yeah. So, you know, we dropped our gloves and, you know, he hit off the, off the hop. He hit me with a couple right off the hop. And then, you know, I hit him with a couple and he kind of like hunched over and I was kind of like, okay, like it's over maybe. And then he like popped back up and tagged me with a good one. I was like, okay, we're still going. And then it just happened to be that as soon as I threw my right, he was throwing at the same time and he was leading with his head. And I just happened to connect like solidly, you know, with that punch and, and, and down he went. But I mean, it was kind of weird because I wasn't necessarily looking to go Isaacson or anything like that. It just happened to be my linemate made a hit wasn't sure if my linemate wanted to answer the bell. So I'll answer the bell for him. And that's kind of how that all came about. But yeah, it, it was a, it was a good one. I mean, you know, when, when you're, when your momentum's leaning forward with your head and somebody's trying to put your, their fifth through your head, it, you know, usually doesn't end up too well for them. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that now. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it was definitely a right hand. I've I've watched. I've gone through so many damn fights now. I'm trying to put all these uh, this compilation together that I got going on and whatever for the ECHL fights of the year or whatever. So now I'm like trying to. They all like blend together now. At this point, I've uploaded <laughs> so damn many. And now I'm thinking about. It, I'm like at the reverse angle. Yeah, it was a right. Um, but a guy I got to ask you about too. And my wife couldn't stand him when you guys would come to the ever uh, the Everblades Arena and play against us. Um, and he's an absolute pest, and I love every second of it, but you were teammates with him was Noah Corson. How was it playing with him? It was wild, to be honest. <laughs> I think wild is the, is the best way to describe Noah Corson. But honestly, that guy's got huge kahunas. I mean, he will stand in there with, I think, that game, the first or second week in the season, when his linemate got hit, he fought, uh, clearly, yeah, clearly. Um, you know, who's way bigger than him, way out of his weight class, but like stood in there like a champ and just, you know, hell, he was there for his teammates. He's honestly, he's a wild card. He, he's he's funny guy because he's fearless and he lets it be known that he's not afraid. Like he's completely okay with taunting you to your face or like you said, being a rat and like getting in people's kitchens and slashing people in the back legs and you know diving down to the ice and. You know, so it, it was it was fun playing playing with him. You know, a lot of times he got me into a lot of scrums and stuff like that. Just, you know, coming to his aid, you know, because I just, <laughs> you know, pretty, pretty good player, you know, finished with 55 points this year, too. So, you know, a lot of the times I'd be like, hey, like, you don't need to fight. Like, let me come in here kind of thing like that. But yeah, man, he's he's full of piss and vinegar, that guy. Yeah, well, of course, and I, my wife just fucking hated him, and of course, he'd go out and he'd score, like, he'd, he would share up, he'd score a goal against the Everblades, and she'd be sitting there, like, of course, it's fucking Corson, and I'm just, I'm just laughing my ass off, because, I mean, I was just, I, I, I'm, yes, I'm an Everblades fan, but I, I'm, I consider myself more of, like, a fan of players, uh, before, you know, teams and stuff, but, yeah, I was, I was loving every second of watching Corson on the ice, I'm like, this dude is just a fucking thorn in the side, and he'll put up points, I said, it's phenomenal, um, but the last guy I'll ask you about, because he was a former Everblade, and you fought him on, I think it was like the Green Ice Night or whatever that you guys had out uh, in Kalamazoo, but you actually you fought Russell Jordan, and uh, you, you got it to him pretty good. How was that fight going into it? Yeah, I mean, I saw that Iowa had acquired him, you know, a couple days before, and, and we had played Iowa a couple weekends before, and, and they didn't really have a lot of toughness in their lineup Um and so I was like, okay, like they must have acquired him to add a little sandpaper to their lineup. Uh, and again, it was really early and, and, and new. I was still new to Kalamazoo. So I wanted to, you know, it was at home. I knew it was going to be a big crowd because it was a green ice night, wearing the special jerseys, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what, like if I can get out there and, you know, make an impact my first shift to kind of get the crowd riled up to it, I think it'd be good for us. And it just happened to be, he was out there the first shift and, he got a rim around the wall and I, I finished them and we kind of ended up shoving each other. And, you know, next thing you know, the gloves are off and yeah, I, I hit him with a good, up, a good uppercut there for sure. And, you know, I wish the fight would have gone longer, but um, you know, I hit him with a good uppercut and, you know, got the crowd riled up and we ended up winning the game. So, that, you know, that's all that mattered. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, it was a good one. He had the old, I think he had the old like pistol hands going, uh, going to the penalty box, getting the crowd into it on, uh, I think it was like St. Patrick's day was why the ice was green. So it was a, that was a good one. But, um, so well, I'll get you on your way here in a second, man. You know, this has been great talking with you and I, I've enjoyed taking a trip through Anthony Collins, career, asking about some fights here and there. Um, you know, I had posted in an ECHL group before I said, you know, I am, I'm interviewing Collins tonight or any questions uh, you guys want me to ask. 
the biggest question I actually have is people requesting they want they're like I want him to play in Cincy. I want him to come back to you know Rapid City. Uh, you know, stay in Kazu. Uh, you know, so where are we going to see Anthony Collins next season? I I mean it's a mystery, right? Being a vet, uh, you know, um, but uh, you know I think that uh, there's a good good chance that you you see me back in the Central Division next year. You know. I, I really did enjoy my time in, in, in Kalamazoo and they treated me really well and it was a brush of fresh air coming there. So I think I, I you know, I owe it to, uh, to the Kalamazoo fans and the staff there to, to go back and play a full season there and see what kind of damage we can do uh, back in Kalamazoo. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and talk some, uh, talk some fights and tough guys with me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Like I said, uh, your podcast is, uh, I feel like it's just getting legs now and uh, just getting going. And I think that uh, it's going to turn a corner here and get even uh, more publicity now. And like I said, keep posting those fights because I know uh, us fighters really like to uh, watch and study guys. It makes it a lot easier for us. Absolutely, man. Well, you have yourself a good night, Anthony. Thank you. You too. Talk to you. You got